Part 5 of The Night the Mountain Fell, The Story of the Montana Yellowstone Earthquake by Edmund Christofferson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 5 Living Geology Just how common are mass earth shakeups like the Montana Yellowstone Earthquake anyhow? Geologists tell us they're frequent, with a dozen or more major quakes and thousands of minor tremors happening each year earthquakes are the natural outcome of the fact that the earth while seeming substantial and changeless is constantly if most gradually in the process of change mountains are thrust up glaciers carve them down volcanoes pour out their molten rock rivers and floods scour their erosive paths sediments slide and settle the enormous masses which great internal earth forces have raised up to mountain height create counter-stresses. These forces build up for years, sometimes for centuries or longer. Eventually, something has to give. When this happens on a grand or spectacular scale, we call it an earthquake. Whether you're a connoisseur, expert or not, the spectacular 1959 Montana Yellowstone earthquake was a butte, Geologists call it a textbook earthquake because it included nearly all of the classic actions or results which quakes are likely to cause. It ranked right along with San Francisco's 1906 shakedown as among the severest earthquakes on the North American continent. In seismic measurements, it rated 7.8 on the Richter scale as compared with San Francisco's 8.2. It set up so-called tidal waves or seiches on Hebgen Lake. There were at least three of these huge waves, 20 foot high, which overtopped the entire 721 foot length of the dam by four feet. Eyewitnesses' statements relate that the velocity of the tidal wave was so great that it caused the water literally to leap over the top of the dam. It filled the small generating plant with two to four feet deep layer of rocks. Although the dam stood, the quake caused several fractures in the core wall, one of which showed a three to four inch separation and shattered the dam's concrete spillway. The earthquake created three major faults, with displacement on the Red Canyon fault running as much as 20 feet, which stacks up impressively alongside the 26-foot maximum displacement resulting from San Francisco's quake. These two earthquakes differed, however, in that the Montana displacement was vertical, while the San Francisco's was horizontal. According to the Society of Military Engineers, surveys from benchmarks outside the earthquake-affected areas show that the earth in the Hebgen Dam quake area near Hebgen Dam has settled between 18 and 19 feet from its level before the quake. It wasn't uniform, though. The quake caused tilting, which showed up in the way the north side of Hebgen Lake had sunk eight feet, while the south side of the lake, docks, boats, etc., were sticking eight feet out of the water. The quake also caused many sink, or more properly, blowholes. These phenomena are also known as sand spouts. Water compressed and forced up and out by quake action washes out layers of sand substrata. The overhead surface areas naturally drop into the hole, leaving a puzzling hunk of slumped ground separate from the normal scarps as big as 15 by 50 feet in area. 
the montana yellowstone quake sent seismographs jiggling as far away as new zealand it caused fluctuation of water level in wells as much as ten feet in nearby idaho a tenth of a foot in hawaii three thousand two hundred miles away and point zero one feet in puerto rico the huge concrete hungry horse dam near columbia falls montana two hundred and fifty miles northwest of the quake area showed measurable displacement as a result of the quake in remote seattle the diminished tremors were still strong enough to break loose the floating amphitheater in lake washington but by far the most spectacular effect of montana's earthquake was the huge landslide at the mouth of the madison canyon at the side of the slide a relatively strong and nearly vertical layer of dolomite rock supported a huge bank or mountain of comparatively unstable schist and kept it from sliding into the valley in the same way that a retaining wall keeps a hillside terrace from slipping downhill the tremendous shock waves of the earthquake fractured this dolomite buttress and some forty three million cubic yards or eighty million tons of rock timber and other mountainside debris cascaded off the slope hurtled into the canyon and surged up the opposite side carrying huge trees and house-sized boulders as if they were weightless hollow toys when this huge mass whumped down onto the riverbed, it forced out the water and air trapped underneath at hurricane velocity. The huge slide spurted mud, air, and water with such force as to send two-ton cars sailing through the air and to grind others to suitcase thickness against the rocks. All this happens in seconds it would take eight seconds for the mass at the top of the mountain to fall to the valley floor twelve hundred feet below at the time it reached this point the mass would be traveling a hundred and seventy four miles per hour the time it took to zoom half a mile across the valley up the opposite canyon wall then split and flow three-quarters of a mile up and down the valley the slide lies one and a half miles long in the valley was less than thirty seconds the fact that timber from the face of the mountain is spread in relatively uniform fashion over the entire surface of the slide is interpreted to mean that there was little tumbling action that the slide moved as a single if shattered mass one important scientific controversy has emerged from the earthquake it relates to the time relationship or sequence between the initial shock the tidal waves or seiches how fast the huge quantities of water which overtopped the dam moved down the valley and whether these slugs of water had rushed through the canyon in time to reach the site of the slide before the mountain fell the stretch of the madison running through the canyon is fresh fast water but normally it takes up to two hours for an object to run the sparkling seven-mile trout-rich stretch from hebden dam to the mouth of the canyon the big surges of water the seiches overtopping the dam could make it a lot faster there are two big related questions could the big surges of water reach the point of the slide soon enough and just how soon after the first shock did the mountain fall 
for the first couple of days after the quake the theory persisted that the slide must have happened quite some time after the first shock as late as five a m according to some theories but as the facts and the testimony of folks trapped near the slide the osts fredericks smiths and mrs bennett became available it was apparent that the slide must have closely followed the initial shock even if you discount the disrupted time sense of people under stress when a minute can seem like an hour and vice versa it's difficult to imagine that more than twenty minutes elapsed between the first shock and the slide according to one set of calculations big waves could have swept from the dam to the slide site in eighteen minutes or so although the quake caused much settling of the earth packed against the downstream side of hegum dam's concrete core the relatively slight displacement of the sod cover is interpreted to mean that all three tidal waves passed over the dam before this earth subsided and separated from the core thus the water would have begun its race down the valley before the heavy earth-settling shocks hit the dam area those who support the high water at the moment of the slide theory point to the great volume of water damage way below the slide if the slide had come first it would have dammed off the tidal waves and prevented such damage they feel there just wasn't enough water in the river bed's normal content to cause the water damage done both upstream and downstream by the slide and they argue the mud and dust in the composition of the slide would have taken up most of the water normally found in the reach of the river buried under the slide there's further evidence in the numerous fish found high and dry on the flat along the river bank several feet higher than the stream bed most of them were small catfish-like chubs there were numerous trout and one eighteen-inch carp there is no place in the river below the pool at the toe of the dam where carp would likely be found also there was further confirmation in the fact that three of the specially made eleven-inch squared timbers eight and a half feet long with notched ends and two u-bolts used as stop logs in the hebgen dam spillway were found below the slide some shadow was cast on this as absolute confirmation by the montana power company's explanation that stop logs have been lost from time to time before the quake those who in spite of such evidence oppose the theory that the high water reached the slide area first just don't feel that the water could have made it all the way down the canyon in so short a time they feel that it would have taken at least forty minutes for the big waves to traverse the seven miles they have some support in l d smith's testimony that in driving down beaver creek to rock creek right after the shocks he saw no such waves at any rate this is one argument that geologists and hydrologists will be batting around for a long time now you can see it's unusual when an event so spectacular as the montana yellowstone earthquake doesn't produce some exploitable possibilities and this one did 
the month after this august seventeenth nineteen fifty nine series of quakes the u s forest service which is a proprietor of the vast and tumultuous real estate on which the major portion of the immediate quake action happened announced that it was under way with plans to set up a geological area to help visitors get to earthquake interest points and to understand the tremendous earth forces which operated there they held the inaugural of the madison river canyon earthquake area the first of its kind anywhere on august seventeenth nineteen sixty the first anniversary of the quake relatives of the twenty-eight quake victims sat on the gigantic slide as they unveiled the bronze memorial plaque mounted on the huge dolomite boulder which had floated across the valley atop the surging debris this awesome and fascinating earthquake area quickly became one of the region's top tourist attractions with close to half a million visitors in attendance during each of the first two post-quake summers in spite of miserable to nearly impassable access roads this popularity is especially fitting because the quake that's on display here was essentially a tourist earthquake it happened in the scenic mountain area which draws a brisk vacation traffic from all over the u s and canada during the height of the tourist season and those who went through the adventure the thrills the terror the heroes and the helped the survivors and the casualties could nearly all be classed as tourists superb trout fishing has always been one of the area's most important features and understandably there was much post-quake concern as to how this would be affected when hebgen lake was drained to repair the quake-damaged hebgen dam montana's fish and game department poisoned the trash fish and stocked the refilled lake with millions of rainbow trout running in size from fingerlings to nine inches Today, both Hebgen and Quake Lake, formed by the damming action of the slide at the mouth of Madison Canyon, afford top fishing, either from shore or from boat. Quake Lake has a made-to-order launching ramp at Cabin Creek, where the flooded-out road runs right into the lake. In spite of the concern by fish biologists that silting from the slide would take the edge off fishing in the Madison below the slide area, it kept right on providing fishermen the top-notch action that had long earned its reputation as a blue-ribbon trout stream that compares with fishing anywhere in the world. Today there are excellent roads to and through the earthquake area. Route 287, south from Ennis, leads directly to the huge slide at the mouth of madison canyon here the forest service has built a surfaced road up onto the slide on top is the best advantage point to view the whole panorama of the mountain fall where it dropped from how in a matter of seconds eighty million tons of rock cut off the valley the sparkling blue lake it created and the open stretch of the madison below the canyon Besides, on the slide there are interpretive exhibits, and the huge monolith bearing the plaque to the quake dead, twenty-one of whom still lie somewhere beneath the mammoth pile of rock. The relocated route runs eastward down the slide along Quake Lake and through Madison Canyon. 
several forest service people staff the formally designated earthquake area during the summer season to help explain and interpret what happened here definite plans for the area include a formal visitor center and at least one first-class campground in the slide lake canyon area hebgen dam the dam that held straddles the upper end of madison canyon the road from here along hebgen lake to the duck creek y has been much improved over its pre-quake status the quake area is just as easily approachable from west yellowstone by taking 191 north 10 miles to the duck creek y and then driving west along hebgen lake near the y the big fault runs close to the road through the culligan ranch etc the magnificent reynolds pass road which runs south from its junction with the madison canyon road three miles west of the slide has become an important new route for the earthquake area the morning after the slide highway crews were at work on this alternate route which for two years substituted for the blocked flooded and destroyed road through the madison canyon and along the north shore of hebgen lake while the regular route between ennis and west yellowstone remained blocked with its exciting mountain backdrop this new improved road provides an enjoyable alternative which should be included in any circle tour of quake features in the spring of 1959, as he tells it, Lemuel Garrison, superintendent of Yellowstone National Park, looked at some bids for new housing in the park, which included extra steel as a protection against the possibility of earthquakes. Heck, he said, we're not an earthquake area. Today, Yellowstone's famous earthquake has become an important addition to its already fabulous attractions. The park took the quake in its stride by june one nineteen sixty in spite of road damage of two million six hundred thousand dollars and building damage of one million seven hundred thousand dollars resulting from the quake yellowstone park its roads and other facilities were ready for its normal summer rush in clearing a slide which blocked the road near firehole falls south of madison junction the road crew discovered one near casualty a bear the bruin had evidently sought shelter in a hollow below the road shoulder and became trapped when the slide closed his exit it was several days after the quake when the crew heard the bear's attempts to crawl out of his artificial cave they lowered a tree trunk still bearing branches into the hole and retreated while the bear scrambled out word of the quake plus the initial belief that the epicenters of seven of the eleven major shocks were located in the famous firehole basin caused widespread anxiety as to whether the tremendous forces loosed might have interfered with nature's intricate underground plumbing which keeps the geysers hot pools and mud pots spouting burbling and burping studies by a horde of seismologists geologists and other earth scientists who swarmed into the firehole basin in the months after the quake show that during the night of august seventeen the hot spring activity in this area changed more than during the eighty-seven years since a park was created out of the mysterious steaming country which had been known as coulter's hell the scientists termed these changes as profound and far-reaching 
these changes in thermal features are and will be in years to come tremendously interesting the majority of these changes came with or just after the initial quakes the earthquake acted as a trigger to start eruption in hundreds of springs nearly half of them erupting for the first time in their known histories the whole place blew then subsided there was considerable juggling of the intervals and playing times of some of the better-known geysers great fountain riverside daisy castle and oblong shortened the length of their eruption intervals but they play nearly twice as frequently as they did prior to the quake sapphire a minor geyser became a major geyser but has subsided to a status somewhere in between clepsydra geyser went frantically wild and has erupted continuously since the quake steady geyser just up and quit so did grand geyser giantess geyser located just across the river from old faithful habitually shook the ground in the vicinity every time it erupted right after the quake it blasted off and kept blowing for a continuous one hundred hours instead of its usual thirty-hour run the fountain paint pots became so active and spread so that they took over what used to be an asphalt-paved parking area in the midst of these changing patterns old faithful goes on in much the same way except for perhaps a slight increased interval between blasts studies of fourteen thousand three hundred and seventeen eruptions were clocked with an average interval of sixty three point eight minutes the shortest interval was thirty-three minutes in nineteen forty-eight fifty-one the longest is ninety-three minutes measured in nineteen fifty-five but none of these changes are static just when grand geyser having been dormant for five months was considered dead it moved into a sporadic blasting phase these quake caused fluctuations in thermal features plus strong curiosity as to the earthquake's effects in the surrounding area superintendent long garrison feels will make yellowstone's post-quake years bigger than ever about the author ed christopherson was a professional author and magazine writer whose articles about montana the northwest and other subjects appear in the saturday evening post holiday this week magazine mademoiselle reader's digest the new york times congressional record etc born in ohio he began his writing career in new york his introduction to the mountain northwest came through a season as a forest service smoke jumper after several years in new york he picked exciting and scenic western montana as the center of his regional writing activities christopherson went to west yellowstone they called it shookville the day after the quake he got first-hand accounts from survivors there and in ennis flew and walked over the slide and elsewhere in the quake area and since has spent months researching and correlating what turned out to be the night the mountain fell end of part five end of the night the mountain fell the story of the montana yellowstone earthquake by edmund christopherson